You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. So have you ever felt like you were just in a group and you didn't belong? Most. (laughs) How do you... you how do you know if you fit in or don't fit in? Most groups. Is, I don't know. Well, when you're standing in a corner by yourself, I think that's that's probably a, hey, I don't fit in yeah. situation. Um, I, I was in a group a while back, and uh, it, was, it was a nonprofit group. And they were all guys like me, but, I, but every time I'd go to an event, I started looking around. I'm like, you know, none of these people are my friends. None of these people I would hang out with or invite to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, you know, after probably too many years, I finally just stopped going and found a different. And group. they never called you. No, I haven't seen any of those guys. Yeah, and then you since. were in the group. You were well, and I, I don't know what it was, but I think when you're looking for a community that's going to reinforce and make you better, you don't know what it was. Well, you know exactly what it was. You weren't their friend. You weren't. You didn't fit in. You didn't have shared. Well, I don't know why I didn't. I don't know why that it wasn't connecting at a point. And. I think when you when you look at trying to trying to grow, if you, you've heard that quote that if you're if you don't smoke but you hang around five people that smoke, you'll be the sixth. You know, if, okay, you, sure. if you don't run marathons but you hang around people who run marathons, you'll be the sixth. You know, okay. so you become like the groups you hang around. And I just started looking at that group and saying, you know, I just I'm not connecting. Yeah, they're not growing or they're doing stuff. I didn't you weren't you weren't smoking and they weren't running marathons. Yeah, yeah, it was it was the same thing. So what's your, what's your, um, proudest trait that you've exported to other people? I I think looking at self-awareness, there's, there's some groups that I'm, I'm in and your friends become more self-aware because of you. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because I ask, I ask them uncomfortable questions. Sometimes they don't like it. You you do, you do that. I I know I do that. And I, I can't help myself. I was at a, I was at a table the other day. Uh, and let tell you, hey, you made no. It, it becomes obvious <laughs> to them, to to everybody at the table. No, no, no. Do they say, hey, wow? Now that we've been hanging out for a few years, I'm like more self aware. They tell you that? No, nobody's ever said that. Oh, okay, nobody's ever said that. But I, I'll cause people. They to... just start wearing like beads and growing their hair long. It's not when self aware beads. <laughs> they just start. They're just like really grounded now, <laughs> right? I was. I was uh, I was at lunch with his, like there was like eight people at lunch and this one guy said you know I find that I ask better questions of people when it's a you know a sale is on the line you know I'm in a sales situation I said oh do you do you find it uncomfortable to realize that you're primarily motivated by money and he goes oh no I'm not saying that I said it sounds like you're saying that it sounds like it sounds like you and so I just asked I kept asking these questions I finally realized. I think I'm asking this guy too many questions. I think I think he doesn't want to be as self-aware. You know what? You do ask people too many questions, but it works out hosting a podcast. It works um, here. Yeah. Because that's what we're here for. And today we asked our guest a lot of questions. You may remember Steve Sims from episode 79. He is the visionary founder of the world's first concierge that delivers the highest level of personalized travel, transportation, cutting-edge entertainment services to corporate executives, celebrities, professional athletes, and other people interested in living life to its fullest. He and his team create extraordinary experiences for his clients like 
singing live on stage with the rock band Journey, taking a submarine trip to the Titanic, one that did come up, by the way, and even closing a museum in Florence to have a private dinner party for six at the feet of the David statue, listening to opera by Andrea Bocelli. I mean, he he creates awesome, wonderful experiences. And if you want to hear about those experiences that he created for other people, uh, you can go listen to episode 79 before you listen to this one. Um, that's also a lot of knowledge and wisdom Sims dropped in that episode. But today uh, we talked about what Steve's focusing on these days. And we talked about how we are in a, what he calls a microwave generation, people with low attention spans. How do we sell in that environment? We talked about disrupting industry norms so that your industry doesn't disrupt you. Creating a community that fosters collaboration in the qualities of good and bad communities of business leaders. So I am welcoming to the podcast, the best-selling author of Go For Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals, and Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. He's a sought-after consultant, speaker at a variety of networks and groups, as well as the Pentagon and Harvard. Steve D. Sims. Stick around. You'll learn a little, you'll laugh a little bit. I'm Sanger Smith. As always, I'm with my dad, Sean Smith, and this is Decidedly. Hey, Steve, we're glad you're back. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. You know, you're getting really into creating community, and we have a lot of questions, but mainly... How can Sean create a community when he's so unlikable? <laughs> oh, well, I didn't need that sh- shot just out of the game. Just like you're just taking a shot for no reason. He, he was gone for like a month uh, gallivanting around Scandinavia. I have to welcome him back. <laughs> Where are you calling from, Steve? I'm in Los Angeles. So you're, uh, are you speaking mostly out in California now? Is that where you're doing sure, most No, all No, all over the planet. Uh, this year... This year I've done, um, well, by the end of the year, I would have finished 19 gigs, which was ridiculous. And there were a lot of gigs I had booked prior to COVID that I moved into this year. So I got, you know, pretty heavy this year. But recently, in the past two months, I've done New York, San Diego, um, Arizona, Vegas, London, Asheville, North Carolina, and Venice, Italy. Wow. What made it ridiculous? Because it was just way too many bloody gigs in a two-month period. <laughs> I literally, The daft thing was I woke up in Asheville, North Carolina, and I remember this vividly. I woke up going, where am I? You know, because all hotel rooms start looking the same. And I was, yeah. I'd been in, a, for some reason, three of those bookings, I'd been in a Hilton. And they almost looked identical. So I'm like, where I had to look out the window to realize I was in Asheville. Oh, I had that happen years ago. I was doing a lot of speaking, kind of like you were. I was traveling between about seven different cities and, you know, stayed at a Hilton. Then you go to a different town, you stay at a Hilton. And I, I get up to my room and I try my car. It does, you know, the he didn't work. I was like, damn it, you know. Uh, and I go down to the front desk. I said, yeah, hey, you know, I'm in, you know, 413. The, you know, the key didn't work. They're like, okay, your name. They go, and she looks up. She goes, well, Mr. Smith, you're in... Uh, 
712. You're not in 413. 413 was the old room in the old yeah. town where I was, where I was, le- I was like, oh man, I'm traveling too much. I can't remember. I, ha- I, I hate taking it. pictures of the room numbers. I hate it when you get to the bar and they go, you know, what's your room number? And I'm like, I don't know. Don't quiz me. Just give me the drink. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's very upsetting because you just, you just don't know. You only checked in like an hour ago and you want to kind of like relax a little bit and they're quizzing you. So I, I never know. When you're doing these events uh, all over the world, like you're talking about, what are you trying to provide in terms of a message? Well, each gig has its own kind of uh, message. So the first thing I do is I want to make sure that I'm appropriate to a gig. I am very, very comfortable about turning gigs down um, because I don't want to turn up and talk and have the audience go, well, that guy's got no point or purpose to me. So there has been gigs where people have gone, hey, we want, you know, you did this, you did that. That's great. We want you to speak to our, you know, XYZ company. And I'm like, well, I don't have anything that can relate. Every event has a purpose. Every event has a theme. And so there's been a few times where they've gone, hey, this is the theme. We want you to talk about AI and technology. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. I'm on about communication and relationships. That's got nothing to do with tech. You know, it's yeah, got you this, got the wrong guy. In other yeah, words, yeah. So okay. I, I've been very happy <laughs> for that reason. I've also been very friendly to be able to turn around and go, "You need Billy. You need Mary." You know, and I actually redirected them. So a lot of events. The first thing I do is go, "Okay, what's the event about? What is this year's theme? Um, what are you hoping the audience is going to take out? Is it a corporate room where you're hoping the the whole room's going to go out and sell more?" Is it people that want to get peace of mind? Is it people that want to focus on, you know, doing more audacious goals and actually building up more wealth for the family? And that will direct and dictate my speech. But predominantly, my main theme is really on how your goals can limit your financial ability. And there's a lot of people out there that go, make goals. You've got to have goals. If you don't have goals, how do you know you're going to score? It's bull. When you set your goals too low, and you know, shallow plug, I wrote the whole book, Go for Stupid, on this, you've got to start with a goal that makes everyone else around you laugh. That's when you know it's a good enough goal. But at this moment in time, people out there going, hey, I've got this goal of X, Y, Z, where they're limiting their potential. So most of the time at the moment is uh, that seems to have been the current theme of this year getting people to think outside of that capability and to what they can actually achieve, but they just weren't aware of it. And goals can be, um, you know, a lot of t- a lot of times people set goals, me it seems like, for the purpose of having a goal. I remember when I first started doing jujitsu, and uh, I was talking to one of the guys who was, you know, he'd been doing it for decades, he was black belt, this, that, and the other thing. And he goes, well, what's your goal with jujitsu? I go, did I Oh no! Like I just started because it seemed cool. Like, do I have to have a goal already? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then what happens is people say they either get pushed into goals that don't align with the vision that they had for themselves when they started this path, or to your point, they set goals that they're going to knock down anyway. Hey, okay, my goals uh, show up twice a week. Woo. Well, it might have been what goal. this person was asking is, "What's your why? Like, why are?" But you that's not the question he asked. Well, I and know. So, my, like, my point is, if you you need to change your language, if that's what you're getting at, if you yeah, if you think we need to have a why, our company needs to have a clearer why. Me personally, I need to have a clearer why within the confines of jujitsu. I need to understand my why. 
I'm all about that. That's not the language we use, particularly in our industry and financial advice. That's what every company claims to be able to provide is a pathway to help you meet your financial goals. Most people don't have any financial goals. They don't, they don't know their financial goal. And if you start and say, well, what are your goals? The answers are bullshit. The answers that you will get are what they think the advisor wants them to say or what they think they're supposed to care about. Material acquisition goals. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess my goal is to retire. Uh, when did my dad retire? Uh, about that age. <laughs> and a few like, before that. Yeah, maybe a little bit before that and spend a little bit more than he did. Right. And that's it. I it, remember it when, lunch. you know, I uh, I had a few long hikes, on, you know, that I've done over time. And one was across Spain. The other was uh, kind of up up California on the on the Pacific Crest Trail near where you are, Steve. And one of the things I would ask people when I, you know, would talk to them is say, well, you know, why are you doing this hike? You know, why are you hiking the Pacific Crest Trail? And it was surprising to me how many people didn't have a good answer to that or didn't have an answer at all. Like, wow, you're taking three to, three away to four months, three to four months out of your yeah. life to go do this. And you don't know why? I like it, man. <laughs> just or, something to do. Just, yeah. Or, or I lost yeah. it. You know, they were just kind of in between something. They're like, oh, whatever. Like, man, I, you know, it. when you look at goal setting, Stephen, and the work that you do, are you finding that a lot of times people struggle with establishing sort of meaningful, realistic goals? There's there's actually a few answers to that question because there were like three questions in there. Finding it troubling to make the goals, establishing realistic goals. Let's go back. Let's go back in time, okay? Pre-COVID, we were outsourcing a lot of our communication to the world of social, Twitter, Facebook, all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Then we went through COVID where we were actually, we actually lost the ability, apparently, to communicate. We weren't allowed to go out. We weren't allowed to mingle. So we actually got really bad at communicating during COVID. We came out of COVID and we're scared to talk to each other. You, you, you want to look stupid? You want to look ridiculous? Try to strike up a conversation with someone in the next Starbucks. You know, they order a drink. As soon as they walked off to get that drink, just go, hey, how you doing today? And they'll look at you like you're a rapist. People today don't like to be yeah. confronted with a conversation. So we're actually bringing it back. Maybe, now, maybe it's just you, Steve. Maybe it's me. I just, look, I just look that weird. But here's the next bit on top of that. Throughout COVID, we started to attack each other. You know, we actually started with the Gotcha Society. We actually, right. we got shows on TV, which is made up just of people walking into windows, doing the wrong thing, falling off ladders. We like to laugh at people's misfortune. And there used to be a thing in the past where we would go, hey, what would you do this week if you knew you couldn't fail? Now, that's actually been changed. It's now, what would you do today if you weren't worried about people laughing at you. In today's mm. world, we're actually concerned, stupidly, of somebody else's opinion. And so what do we do? We sit there and we go, hey, and we've all had this, and I'm talking to your audience now, and I'm talking to you to disagree with me. When have you ever sat around a bunch of people and gone, hey, I'm thinking of doing this and doing this and doing this, and your crew, your crowd in that coffee shop look at you like you've just gone mad. 
And you're faced with two opportunities at that time. One, change the room you're in. Get into a room where people will challenge and support and push you to be better. Or alternatively, reduce your goals and settle. And sit there and go, oh my God, I, I, I apologize, Sean. I don't know what I was thinking. I was having a crazy moment. Of course I'm not going to do that. Of course I would fail. And we settle. And that's the problem we got today. When we're looking at goals, we don't look at goals. We look at what we feel is achievable without the fear of ridicule. Now, pardon my soapbox moment, but think of everyone you revere today. Everyone you admire. Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, anyone that you revere today, they didn't care what other people thought of them and they went out with audacious, ridiculous goals and guess what? They achieved them. Everyone we revere stood out by first standing up. Today, we're actually scared about standing up and that's a shame. I think I think there's a lot to that. What you're saying is, is that that when we look at people who want social val- validation or prestige, I think that's one of the core things people s- seek. And so, if they feel like stepping out there is going to damage that, uh, I, I I I see the hesitancy that people would have. But I I I think that's smart. What you're saying is that if you're getting negative reinforcement at the onset when you're stating these goals before you even fall on your face you haven't done anything yet then you need to change the room you're in to get to a more encouraging group i did for sure and sadly you're getting that negative reinforcement from the planet today you know the planet today the people today we're negative we're cynical we're sarcastic we don't trust anything you know fake news coronavirus oh they've been lying to us We're in a society of low tolerance today. And that's causing a lot of people to not step out. I did a speech. What do you mean low tolerance? We've got, well, you think about it. Six years ago, seven years ago, okay? And me and you, let's be blunt, cut it down to his basics. We're in in the communication business. And at the end of the day, we're in the sales business, okay? You go back five, six, 10, 15 years ago, And imagine when you were in an environment, it may have been a mall, it may have been a car garage, it may have been something like this, and the salesman's slowly putting you down a funnel, and you're enjoying it. You know, you can see what he's doing, that he's getting you down to the yes, and you're like, I see where this is going, but actually that last line, that was quite, and you respect it, and you appreciate it, okay? Today, we don't want to be sold. Today, we've got little tolerance. Today, we don't want to spend our time going onto someone's website and discovering if you can be of service to me. I want to know on the first page at the top of the line, I solve this. Right. Why are you credible? I've got that problem. You say you can solve it. Why you? We're very cynical today. And we've seen a lot of the world with these fake gurus that we're now seeing through. And so in which case, substance is king. Credibility is king. But also is brevity. Brevity and clarity. I do this and solve this problem. Today, people are lazy. That's what I mean about the tolerance. We have low tolerance to dig in and find out for ourselves. We want it quick. We literally are a microwave generation. We want it 30 seconds. 
or we're not interested. We're also not going to put up with your shit. And anything that makes me think, oh, hang on a minute, this guy's trying to sell me. You're not selling me. We get we get fired up. We're literally in a society at the moment where, you know, we've got the straw that broke the camel's back. We've got a low tolerance to communication, doing work, and looking for that substance. And that's the show. Oh, I, I think definitely there's, there's an impatience now as we've gotten used to the speed of things. I, you know, I remember when, you know, when we started getting on the internet and it was dial up and you had to wait, you know, for some picture to load or some website, to, you know, whatever it was. It'll take you half an hour. You just have to, you know, you go there and well, you what, start uh, it. What's the solution to that? I mean, if, if people are, people have low attention spans, do we as business owners say, okay, well, we've got a, a we've got a, advertise and market and serve a low attention span culture and and be more brief and be more direct yeah so sally hogg said fantastic woman in branded and beautiful person she always says different is better than better you've got and i've said this earlier a few moments ago you've got to stand up before you can stand out and i did an uh, i did a speaking gig in vegas actually funny enough it was to uh, a legal uh, group, uh, not a company, but all lawyers and paralegals and people within the legal industry. And before the event, and there was a cocktail reception the night before, I was, it was hysterical. It should have become a, a drinking game. But the amount of people that came up to me and they went, yeah, 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 I'm an attorney, but I'm not like every other attorney. You know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a paralegal, but I'm not like every other paralegal. I'm different. Every single one of them told me how different they were, okay? And it was hysterical. It should have been, hey, as soon as someone says it, I'd take a drink. If that would have been the case, I'd have been <laughs> shit-faced within an hour. So when we got into the event, I said this. I said, last night I had a great cocktail reception. I got to meet a lot of you here in this room. There was about 400 people in this room in the VIP reception the night before. I think there was about 80 people there. So I said, I got to meet a lot of you there. And you all told me about how you're not like everyone else and how you're all different and how you all stand out because you are different in your industry. Everyone wearing a blue shirt, please stand up. (laughs) Two-thirds of the room stood up. Okay? The bottom line of it is they all dress. I said, how can you stand out if the first thing you do is fit in? You're not different. You're exactly the bloody same until you start being different. While we have that low tolerance, while we are pissed off that we've been sold to and lied to and manipulated and fake news, we still yearn for that clarity. We yearn for that connection. So I agree. They, the, the planet has low tolerance. The planet is very cynical. But inherently, I want to find someone I can connect with that I can trust so there's going to be a lot of noise to go through, but as human beings, yeah. every single one of us wants it, yet every single one of us is holding ourselves back and not being willing to stand out. We were at a conference uh, in College Station a few years ago, oh, many years ago, six, seven years ago, and this guy walks in, he had, uh, this is a financial advisor conference, wealth advisor conference, and the blue shirt thing makes me laugh because you go to a wealth advisor yeah. conference, everyone's wearing blue. We're both wearing blue shirts right now. Yeah. You know the um, scoop. Yeah, quit knocking on blue yeah, shirts. Yeah, this guy, this guy comes in. He's got red, bright red stop sign red shirt and red 
cowboy boot. And I was like, I mean, you can't not notice the guy. And he stood out hard in a room of very, you know, conservative, mild-mannered wealth advisors. And I mean, we were, we were like pointing that guy out, like, what kind of clown is this? And you're like, he doesn't look like any financial advisor. I'd never dress like that. This, that, and the other thing. And it uh, turns out that dude was probably the most successful advisor in that room. He like owned Lubbock. <laughs> like owned Lubbock. Lubbock's where Texas Tech University is. Texas Tech University is red. The dude went all in on that and it was working for him. So are you are you saying that there's some value to nonconformity uh, right out of the gate? It's an eyebrow ring. I think the, well, the premise here. <laughs> no, I, I think I think I think no nonconformity is it, you know, it is it's terrible. We should all conform. Which is probably the stupidest thing I've ever said in my life. Any and it's a complete lot of bullshit. Anyone you admire, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, none of them have conformed. You don't get where you want to be by conforming. You make the omelette by breaking the eggs. You have to disrupt your industry. If you're not disrupting your industry, your industry is disrupting you. So the bottom line of it is you should look at your industry and look, hey, how do I look from someone coming into it? Do I look like everyone else? Do I look like my competitors? Do I act like them? Do I speak like them? If I do, then let's change that shit. We are all unique and different, and we've got to run with that. Came across a video the other day. It was uh, it was Eric Ramaswamy was at some event, and some some kid comes up to him. You know, the kid was probably I don't know thirteen, fourteen, something like. That. And it was one of those interactions. Oh, I want to be like you one day when I grow up. One of those kind of yeah. things. And so the kid says, well, you know, what's your advice for me? And I thought this was really smart advice because it kind of lines into what you're saying, Sims, is he said, you've got to be different from the crowd, number one, like, okay, kind of, kind of what you're saying, and you've got to be right. Like, okay. oh, that's brilliant. That's, that's brilliant. You can't just be different. You can't just be different. <laughs> if you're different and wrong, you're in prison. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not getting anywhere being different and wrong. Yeah. But that's where the substance comes in again. You know, today we're in an attention society. He who's got your attention's got your credit card. But if once they got your attention, there's no substance, there's no solution, then it's theft and it's fraud. So you've got to know what you're doing carries weight and solves a problem. If you're selling a widget, make sure that widget works. If you're cleaning toilets, make sure you're the best toilet cleaner on the planet. Then get the attention and then validate it with substance and proof. That will then get those other people, again, our inherent desire to connect with people will then get people turning around and go, hey, Johnny, over there with the eye piercing, you know, the brow yeah. piece. Oh, my God. That guy knows his shit and he gets it done. And that's what you want. So I, I, agree, I agree with this. But, but I, I think when you're looking at goal achievement, there, there is some, some value in saying, you know, be different, think big, be unique, differentiate yourself. All, yep. of, all of that makes sense. What I've seen with, with some groups when they look at setting their goals or people who are setting their goals, they're not putting them through an appropriate acid test to say, is this a goal, something that I'm willing to do, something that I'm capable of doing? And so it, they let this stupid goal hang out there 
And then they don't get there because it wasn't an appropriate goal for them. Yeah, that's what do you that's, mean it wasn't appropriate? For well, them? they they couldn't they couldn't do it, or they weren't motivated to do it. They said, "I want to run a, you know, a hundred mile race." Uh, oh, yeah, okay, that, that's well, just not being under. That's not clearly understanding the why and understanding the vision. If you want to, if you end up, so I hate the answer of, "Oh, well, I found out after I set the goal and I tried that I actually didn't care about it that much." That's not possible if you know what your why is. It's not possible if you know what your why is. And then it's really, really clear what you ought to do that aligns with it. But right. how many times you'll see somebody in business say, oh, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do this big new initiative. We're going to market in this way. And you realize, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that. How could you? You, you, knew, it, it, you all, The only thing you found out about it by doing it versus so it talking about it was that it was hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you did it. You didn't learn anything. It didn't change in substance and nature from the point that you spoke it into existence. Right. It was either aligned with your intrinsic motivation or it wasn't or it from wasn't. the get-go. Yeah. You've been working on uh, creating a community and I'm really yeah. interested in this. And, you know, I took a dig at Sean. I mean, I, I'm, I'm no better at, at building community either and i envy the people in my life who i've seen do it really 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 well well thank you we did it we did it because we were pissed <laughs> off um and that that's usually how we move with most things we get aggravated and you're talking about sims distillery we actually we we've been members by say we me and my son we've been members of different masterminds me since you know like 2000 him yeah. since probably about 2011. And we've spent, I don't want to think about how much money on these. And most of them have been very good to us for certain aspects. And we've spent a lot of money on absolute trash, false promises. And so we actually got around to going, well, hang on a minute. What do we want? Do we want a mastermind where we turn up and we're spoken at? Do we want a mastermind where we're actually interacting and we are part of the conversation. And so we quizzed ourselves just before COVID and then throughout and post. And eventually we couldn't find the solution for our problem. And so we decided, well, if we can't find the solution, let's be the solution. So we put it together and we literally said, look, we're gonna we're gonna run a mastermind. We're gonna run a community where you have to be interactional. You have to converse. If you're gonna be a wallflower, we literally are going to end your membership and kick you out. You have to communicate. And if someone says, hey, I've got this problem and you are the solution, you have to step up and go, I've got your answer. This is how you need help. So we wanted some way of being able to build the mastermind that we wish we had found. And again, we were focusing and we could joke about this. I know you gave Sean a dig and that's absolutely fine. You should do that all day. But we didn't want the Come community. <laughs> We didn't want the community to focus on us. We wanted the community right. to focus on the community. And so it didn't want to be a, hey, come into our group. Steve Sims is going to talk to you about how to hang out with Elwin John or get this done or blah, blah, blah. We didn't want that. We wanted a group of like-minded individuals that were basically a bit pissed off with where they wanted, where they were, and they wanted more. And they wanted to be in an environment where people were going to support that. When we asked, when we dared to ask people, hey, do you have this problem? Do you want to be part of community and part of the solution? 
we ended up finding about 40 people straight off the bat that joined Sims Distillery and are that community. So we were very, very proud of that. And it's probably one of the proudest things I am at the moment. Yeah. And what do y'all do? What do you, what are the characteristics um, for being a member? What do you, is it a, a club? Tell me more. So we, we operate an hour phone call, an hour Zoom call every Tuesday, 9 till 10 Pacific. We have a number of things that we actually run through hot seats, Tech Tuesdays. We bring in experts. We brought in Jay Abraham last week. Uh, we had Brian Golke the week before that, uh, two weeks before that. You've got a problem. We're going to bring an expert in to actually help it, but not to talk at you, for you to actually interact. For that reason... We know we can get brilliant people in. We know we can commit to being there Tuesday for an hour every time. We know we can converse during the community blogs on Slack and our other communication channels. What we need to focus on to make sure this works is the members. Why are you joining? Are you joining because you want to sell your product to our group? Are you joining because you want to get hold of Jay Abraham or Jim Quick or any of our other friends? You know, why, again, as you say, what is your why? If you are in business and if you are aggravated and you want to understand how you need to be different, how you need to be able to establish ridiculous goals and then understand the infrastructure needed to achieve those and you're willing to put the effort in and not try it once and then go, eh, TikTok doesn't work for me. I wasn't viral on my first day. If you're willing to put the effort in, we're willing to support and challenge you, then we accept. That's why every single one of our members is actually vetted before we allow them, allow them in the door. Oh, that's that's awesome. I, I've been in some some awful groups in the past uh, that that didn't have that same philosophy. You know, they either they're they're too oriented on sales or you know, what can I get out of you? I was a membership chair for an organization that both Sayer and I are in and uh, interviewing this guy to join. And he, he was like, so how do I get my business in front of your group? I'm like, dude, you don't like, don't bring that up. Like, that would be the long <laughs> reason to join. hear about it. Yeah. We, you know, join if you want to grow. He's like, so I can't talk about my business. I said, I mean, if it comes up, but you know, you're not going to be selling to people. Well, why would I join? Like, I don't think it's a good fit for yeah. you. Know, like it's about yeah. growth. Which yeah. is kind of what about you're talking your about. Own personal individual growth. If you're worried about making that next sale, then you're going to annoy everybody else. Well, you're going to yeah. be the guy that nobody wants to talk to. Oh, there, this. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know that you're serious when you say you vet people, Sims. I had a some sort of, you know, financial advisor, peer group, or whatever reach out to me a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know, something in the, the LinkedIn message caught my eye. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll hear you out. And I'm listening. And the lady spins. 15 minutes. Well, first of all, this is hilarious. Okay. So she, uh, they sign up as like, you know, Jim Smith, the founder of the company, using the email of Karen, different last name. Okay. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So she gets on my call and she goes, oh, something came up last minute. Jim can't make it. And I said, Uh oh, really? Yeah. Your email's on the calendar, which was... You know, book three weeks ago. Anyway, besides that, besides the fact that I already think you're a liar, <laughs> she spent 30 minutes tell not 30, but it felt like forever, you know, 30 going back and forth. And this is why it's so great. It's so amazing. We have all these benefits and all these people and it's a, and then she goes, 
And now, if you're interested, we do have a pretty thorough vetting process. I'm like, no, you don't. You just tried to convince me to join. You gave me the whole sales you know, vetting process. You know, you spent that 30 minutes asking me questions. Asking me what's up. Exactly. Yeah. You didn't ask me anything about my business. It's really exclusive, though. You were talking about gurus that you, you felt like weren't delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see people make promises about that is not manifesting itself in their their delivery. Well, a lot of people, well, you've already said it, everyone wants to kind of just literally, you know, add water, boof, it's instant. So everyone's out yeah. there looking for shortcuts. Now, there are tactics, there are trips, there are tricks, there are tips on how do you to be able to save hours, save weeks, save months, save years, but there's nothing out there to go, hey, do this, and in a, in a month's time, you'll be a millionaire. And there's too many gurus out there that are using visual stimulants to basically get your money that they'll then tell you how you become rich is to use visual stimulants and to steal other people's money. The classic <laughs> one yeah. is people people leaning up against cars that they don't own. Uh, there's a, <laughs> it is oh, horrible. Geez. There's a lot of videos out there at the moment um, where you see these arguments on these planes. And if you look at the plane, you can tell that's not a real plane. That's a yeah. prop. There's a yeah, company. All the window screens are down. All yeah. the window screens are down. All of the the, the top, the space between the seats is. is large, I would love yeah. to be on a plane that right. spacious. Yeah. The camera is a little too still and focused. Yeah. and it's not <laughs> it is But there's there's people. There's actually a company in Burbank where they've got that plane prop, and there's a lot of people that are on it trying to make out and pretend that it's that private jet, and. I, I'm just annoyed at how we are we are satisfied, and I don't think we are too much now, but how 90% of the planet is excited and satisfied by what they see rather than what they could acknowledge and understand. So it's all those people that are using the, the fake stuff to get your attention and go, I did this out of cryptocurrency. I'm, you've got to admit, the, the best one's got to be chat GPT experts. Yeah. Now we've all we've all got socks older than AI, but yeah, there's right. experts in it the second it comes out. Yeah, that was that was a good one. When the when those guys started hitting me up, like I think I think we probably know the same amount. Yeah, I, I think there's no way you know a lot more than I do about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was that's a good one. one. I love to poke. I love to, you know. My family always say that when someone says something, you know, just let it go. And I have trouble doing that. And I'm like, oh, so how come you're this? Oh, how did you come that? What made you an expert in this? You know, what is what is your definition of an expert of something that came out Monday? And I'm just, I love getting in there and just poking that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I think when you when you join a community which is looking at growth, and I, I think connecting in those relationships is key, whether it's finding the, the the people in the room that are encouraging your goal rather than laughing at it, but getting that not only accountability, but encouragement. Um, yeah. I just, I, I left a group this, this morning we had a, we had a meeting and one of the things that we were doing and it, it kind of reminded me of what, what we had talked about last time is when you look at why somebody wants to achieve a certain goal, right? You know, what's your stupid goal? And you say, well, why, why do you want to do that? And then we actually had gone through and said, we're going to decide to ask that question three times. So 
why do you want that goal? Well, I wanted, you know, for this reason. Yeah. Why is what's important about that reason? Well, it's this. Why do you want to do that? And and really dig down to get to the core of significance as to what is behind the person. Because you know the first answer that they give you is usually BS, right? It's usually just it's it's fluff or it's deflection or it's I don't really want to explore why I'm wanting to do this. Um, but I do you find in your groups that it, the deeper you dig, the more you'll you'll get to the core of somebody's why and why that that goal is important to them. So we've used that word a lot, um, and as you know, my first book, Blue Fishing, actually has an entire chapter in there on ask why three times. <laughs> and the daft thing is funny because I I knew we I was talking to you later this afternoon. I'm like I gotta tell Steve this story. Yeah, no, it's it's good. But here's the daft thing. The most violent, controversial word out there that will really disturb people is actually the word why. And it bothers people. I will get a lot of people that will text me or DM me going, hey, I'm in Los Angeles this weekend. Let's get together. I'll buy you a beer. I will actually respond to them and I will go, why? And that's it. And I get one of two responses. I will get people going, oh, you know, you're arrogant. You're full of yourself. I thought you'd be a cool guy to me, but I... And they get very defensive because of that why. And then I'll get other people going, hey, great question. I'm looking at doing this project, and I thought you could help with this, and I want to get it. And I can then make a decision based on that information as to whether I'm going to get together with them. Now, today, it is the most powerful word that not only do we need to ask ourselves what's our why as you're quite rightly saying but we also need to ask it of our client hey i want to do this that's great i hear you but why oh because of this and this and this great all right so we know the reason but why now why why have you if it's so powerful to you why is now the time we need to be doing it and not in six months time or in six years time oh because of this great okay but why should it be done? And you, you, when you do that, you actually get to the core. And when you challenge a client, a partner, a perspective, a member of your member, your membership, your community, when you challenge them three times, as you quite rightly said, Sean, you get past the bullshit answer, which is the yes. first one, and you start digging into the real motivator. The real engine, the real fuel that's actually creating that fire. And when you get there and then you actually provide that to the client, you've got a connection. And that client ain't going anywhere. Treble your prices overnight. It ain't going anywhere. That's called a connection. And that's what breeds loyalty. Not points. That's bribery. Loyalty is a connection. So you could ask why, and you could also ask a similar question with more words. You could say, what makes that important? Or what is the reason that you've asked me? Or something without using the word why. In my experience, why makes people very defensive, like some of the people that respond to you. And the other ones, even though I'm asking essentially the same question, it are hardly ever, right? If I say, um, hey, Sims, what's important about your money? You say, oh, I want to get better returns. And I go, oh, I, I, you know, people don't like that. If I say, 
what's important about your money? You say, I want to get better returns. I go, oh, what's important about that to you? People will go, oh, well, and they'll engage with me. So are you intentionally trying to well, you out trying to people? poke the bear? Yeah, are you trying to, well, I know you generally are, <laughs> but in that question, are you trying to get people riled up or not? Have you seen me? I know. You I know, know, I, I wasn't, as as that's the whole point. My mouth. <laughs> I, think, I think what you've just said is perfect. And I've said, and I believe that the way you've conversed it is excellent. And I totally agree with the way you do it. My style of delivery is very confrontational. And yes. for you to be better, you've got to be able to poke the bear. You've got to do a pattern interrupt. You've got to disrupt. But also, I don't want to mislead you. If you want a safe place, okay, then go and talk to someone else. If you want to disrupt your mind, your position, your future, your industry, your marketing, then that's going to take some shit kicking. And I don't want you stepping into my world with my version of delivery, with my version of coaching, only to go, oh my God, this is not the place for me. So I want to be very clear from the beginning your, your questions were absolutely perfect. Absolutely. Couldn't disagree with them. We would both get to the same answer. Your delivery was one route. My delivery is the, the other route. But by me actually coming in, I suppose, hot and heavy and pokey right at the beginning, gets people kind of go, okay, I know what I'm in for. I don't want to go your route and then start speaking to them my way two months down the line and all of a sudden starting to scare them a bit. So it's really yeah. just delivery and making sure that you know from the word go that this is what you're going to get. And if you are concerned or upset because I poked you yeah. with the word why rather than being nice and friendly like you, then that, that helps our clarification right at the beginning. It helps my vetting process with all of my coaching clients. Fair enough. Do people tell you later on down the road, they go, Oh man, like I, I was unsure about you at the beginning, but now you know I've, I, I get that this is your style. I'll, I get it better than that, better than that. I, I love it when I get a referral and someone says, you know, um, I've been, I've been advised that you're scary. You may yell at me, and <laughs> you, you, you're a bit, of, you're a bit abusive. But and it's funny that, but these come from clients that I've had for like four years, and they're like, yeah. When you see him, I had someone say to me before that I didn't know if you were going to punch me. I actually met the person and we were having this heated conversation because I really wanted to know why she was willing, it was a young lady, why she was willing to sit in front of me with her problems and why she hadn't done anything about them. And yeah. so I really was trying to get into it. She said, I thought you were going to punch me. And I'm like, what game? And she was like, you're actually quite intimidating. But she told me that six months down the line after we'd achieved everything. So yeah. it, it, it is it is funny, um, but I kind of only know one speed and I don't want to mislead you into coming into my world with the misconception that I'm going to be a certain way when I'm not. So sure. I will admit that my first interaction with every client is probably 110% of what they're going to get because if they can stomach that and they can respond to that 
and they can go toe-to-toe with that, everything else is going to be easy. Yeah, I, I think you're getting to the same place, which is getting to the core of somebody's why, why they're yeah. wanting to do a certain goal or accomplish a certain thing. You're getting to that. So I, I think, yeah, I, I, it would be inauthentic for us to try and mimic you know, your style, for example, because uh, it's just not the way that I would normally interact. But I, still, I think you kind of get in the same place, though. No, in, uh, I have a similar experience uh, in jiu-jitsu. When, when new people join the gym, uh, I'm intentionally not nice to them on the mat. I'll say hello to them. Uh, I'll introduce myself. If, when I see someone and I go, I think that's his first day here. I'll go out of my way. I'll say, hello, nice to meet you. Where are you from? What brought you in? Da, 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 and, and make them feel welcome. But when we're on the mats, well, I'm not asking you how your day was. And, it, and it, sometimes people come out and we've got, we're about to spar. The round's already started. And they'll say, oh, man, so how are you? I saw that picture of you in Colorado. I saw you interviewing uh, Sims on the on the podcast. Da, da, da. And I, I don't want to talk. I don't even respond to it. And they, they will th- say, man, yeah, I thought you were an asshole. And a year or two years down the line, they're like, man, I, I, I thought you were so mean. I just realized that you're about focused. the business. You're, you're focused. Yeah. And now I like training with you because I know that we're not going to slack off. We're going to get better. 100%. Uh, that's exactly why I it's did all, that way. <laughs> yeah. It's all to understand your point of delivery. You know, you're getting yeah. to the same point as Sean saying, but you've really got to understand today who you are, what is your delivery? It's like you get, and this is where ChatGPT and all these kind of AI things come in that is bad. People are writing too much of their marketing based off of AI. And AI yeah. is very vanilla. And it's going to give you this very generic, very pretty, very articulate, and it's going to come up with words that you can't even say, let alone spell. You're going to send that out as your marketing material. And then that's what you're new person your new attendee is going to expect and when you can't deliver what ai has generated you now become a liar Mm. and no one wants to do business with a fraud so i put out like i posted on instagram the other day something about a good news you're not if you're reading this you're not dead yet Mm. and i had put your rather than you are not dead and most people were like, that's a good point. Yeah, I've, I've got to get, you're right. It's for living. I'm going to do this. I had a couple of people going, you can't spell. You don't know how to do grammar. <laughs> like, screw you. The point's still there. So I spell yeah. it wrong. Gives a shit. And I will send out, my, my wife jokingly says, she thinks, I think I would be fined if I used too much punctuation. Because I will literally write an email or write something and then push send and it will just go out. There'd be no punctuation in it. <laughs> people, people will know it comes from a real person. In fact, funny enough, yeah. my wife my wife is, is actually technical, technologically retarded, I think is the appropriate word. But she actually got my son to set up Grammarly on my email. So it highlights oh, yeah. all of my... Yeah, she she did that. Grammarly's, she got him to do it. Grammarly's awesome. We it have is. in our company we have two words that are banned, and neither one of them are cuss words. But Grammarly will not let you send out any email, any document with either of these words. Take, 
Sean told me when I first started, he said, nobody, you don't ever want to make it sound like you're going to take somebody's money. So just stop saying that word. And then just, oh, I'm just following up. Oh, I'm just going to move this over here. I'm just going to do this. I said, that minimizes what you say. The band words, their cuss words, their four letter words, get them out of your vocabulary. Boom. And Grammarly is awesome. If you don't have Grammarly. I like that. I'll tell, you, like I'll tell you a little story. Um, I, I owned a, you know, for, for anyone that knows me and anyone that doesn't, here you go. I ran a very successful concierge firm for about 25 years to billionaires. And it was incredibly successful. You know, Forbes, all of that shit. You know that story. And about eight years ago, we were getting busier and busier and busier. Yeah. And I didn't like doing emails because I would get up on a Monday and there'd be like this major event or some brilliant experience. And I would just put an email together going, Hey, I'm going to the Oscars. Who wants to come? Four tickets available. You know, or I'm going to this private party. Or Yeah, and those are examples. But I would put that out there. And, and they would sell out really, really quickly, you know. And then someone said, oh, you know, your emails, you've got a good reputation. You've got good credibility. But your emails, are a little bit sucky and a bit too direct. So what I did was I took on this company. And this company would, would design this brilliant newsletter. And there would be the most amazing pictures. And there would be this verbiage in there that would transport you into the environment. And I loved them. I was absolutely intoxicated by these emails of my company through this agency. So I took the agency on. And over the next six months, every week, there would be one of these emails that went out. And every week, I'd be like, look at that picture. Look at that, that copy. It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And I would look at the stats of unsubscribes, opens, and business generated from these go down. And at the end of the six months, I contacted them and I said, look, we got to end. And they were like, what is the problem? You know, what don't you like about it? What isn't working? I said, I, I don't know. I think they're bloody awesome. I absolutely love them. But my stats and my team are showing me that we're losing people, we're losing traction. I'm going to pause it and let us converse in three months' time. So we paused him. Next week, got to put an email out on a Tuesday. I wake up on a Monday and like, shit, I've got to put an email. And I sent out this email, and I can't remember what it was about, what it was for. I sent it, bad spelling, very little punctuation, no picture, sent the bloody thing out. And this guy, I'll never forget this. This client responded to the email, pushed reply, and all he said was, welcome back. Nice. <laughs> and that was my big lesson that taught me, as inarticulate, as rough around the edges, if you're you, you're you. That's yeah. authenticity. Authenticity is someone else being able to make a decision about you based on the clarity of message persona and delivery of you when Damn. you confuse them no one confused will ever give you that credit card and if you lie to them by using chat gpt ai or any other tool to over articulate and over deliver yourself you become a fraud and again you won't get business wow oh, that's awesome it's a Sim's final question. I, I know with it, when we're talking with business leaders and decision makers, what would you say is your final decision-making tip to help uh, leaders? Focus on them. 
Every time I go into a conversation, I don't go, hey, thank you for having I'm very much like you on the mat. I don't do any of that shit. I walk into the room and I go, okay, what do we need to do? What is the problem? Focus on the problem and they will focus on the problem and they won't focus on you. You just then become uh, the, the, the vehicle to that solution. So that's my brevity is king today. In this world today, brevity. Perfect. How can people get a hold of you, Steve? Oh, stevedsims.com, joinsimsdistillery.com. I'm easy to find. I'm bloody everywhere under Steve D. Sims. <laughs> um, Instagram, Facebook, websites, whatever. All right. Hey, thanks, thanks, Steve. Thanks for being with thanks, us. Thanks, guys. I was having a conversation with some uh, business colleagues earlier this morning before we came in to talk to, to him. And we talked about this very thing that we were discussing about asking why. And so somebody had shared something in our in our discussion and it was supposed to be significant. So we would ask, you know, why is it significant? We kept asking that three times. And the, what what we were talking about was that the first time somebody asks or answers the question why, it's what they think they think. The second time we ask why, it's what they think you want to hear. And it's not until the third time you ask, why is that significant or why is that important that you get to the core of the issue of what they really feel? Yeah. So I, I thought that just reinforced with, with me how important that was to keep asking and digging to what the core is with somebody. My big takeaway is standing out will help you in your business. Uh, when it's coming from Steve, a guy who's bald with a beard and an eyebrow ring and uh, rides motorcycles and he gets billionaires to trust him uh, and give him their money, then I think there's some credibility behind that statement because he doesn't fit in, but he uh, he stands out and it works. Yeah, that's quite a good well. way. Yeah, yeah, in a good way. So uh, it really struck me when he said, you know, how can you stand out when you're focused on fitting in? And I think that's a choice you got to make in your business is do I want to stand out? Do I want to fit in? If I want to stand out, then I got to go all in on that. You just made a great decision to listen to this episode of Decidedly. Make another great decision and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your support. It helps others find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. For more daily decision-making insights, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.